Welcome to the first edition of a new podcast. It's called The Thought Police. It's with me, Mike Graham, and you, Matt Kelly. Hello. Uh, Matt, tell us a bit about yourself first, because you're the editor of The New European. But yeah. Like me, you're still in that print business where you get to hide behind, um, you know, pages and pages and pages of what can only be described as brilliant journalism, <laughs> but nobody really knows who you are or what you do. No. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for saying I mean, me so well. I don't mean that in a, in a, in a bad way, but I mean, what I mean yeah. is, it's not like you... No, I'm not like, Mike, I'm not like Mike Graham. You're not like me getting recognised when exactly. I tell the truth. Exactly. I actually kind of saw thing. that happen. That you was did, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was well impressed. Yeah, I know. Well, I, mean, I can only dream that one day... That no, you don't me. want it, honestly. <laughs> you really would rather not. Okay. You know, I actually got recognised when I was on holiday in Mallorca. Yeah. And I was sitting... Do you know that movie, not that, the, the show, The Night Manager? Yes. And they go to that great restaurant where you get to it by boat. Yeah. And me and the mother and my children had gone down there. And, of course, couldn't get a table. So we were sitting at the cafe opposite, uh, having sardines and chips. Yeah. And this guy walks along, and we'd taken the day off from the kids. We'd left them with somebody, you know, especially with this kind of romantic trip. This guy comes up and goes, hey, you're Mike Graham. Can I get a picture? <laughs> she wasn't impressed. <laughs> Not happy. Anyway, so... Well, so uh, who am I? I uh, I'm a journalist. Mm. I'm the editor of The New European, which, in case you don't know, and you probably don't know, was a paper that we launched like nine days after the referendum because I was so annoyed at the referendum and I thought we've got to try and fight back uh, and as it turned out we planned to do it for four weeks we've got issue 150 coming up Blimey. in four weeks so that's our third yeah. anniversary so that's uh, something I'm very proud of so are you partly to blame for this impasse I, I'm sure I'd, you are, I'd love you? to I, I, I definitely think in a very small way the new European did give people a, a sense that resistance was possible yeah. yeah oh I don't think there's any yeah. doubt about that because I mean here we are now sitting after the weekend of the European elections which have been what I can only describe as breathtaking just unbelievable in so many yeah. different ways I mean I've been doing uh, radio shows about Brexit for the best part of the last two years yeah. and I think this is the first one uh, that I've actually really enjoyed on the basis yeah. that it's been finally something has happened it's and I think there is a massive change about to occur yeah. And it might be pro or anti-European, but it's against the two-party system in this totally. country. Well, people say, you know, oh, it's European elections and it's totally different in a general election. I don't actually think it would be this time round. I think if Labour got its wish mm. and got a general election, I think right now they would get absolutely battered. At oh, the they course. would. They would get absolutely horsed. Yeah. I'm never mandatories. I was talking to one of the shadow cabinet from Labour this morning, right? And he was telling me, I said, Jim, you know, we've been told that uh, basically Labour... Uh, is the party of leaving the European Union on yeah. the one hand, and on the other hand, we're being told they're the party of Remain. Well, what are they? Yeah. And, he's, and this, this is the guy who's the MP for Middlesbrough, right? And he is up there uh, pretending to represent the people of Middlesbrough who all voted to leave the European Union, yeah. who also voted massively for Brexit more than Labour. Yeah. And he says, well, if there's a, a new referendum, which we think there should be, I'll be campaigning to Remain. Yeah. And you go, well, is it? I said, well, this is why you're getting, getting stooped, yeah. basically, because nobody knows what you stand for. You know, we had, uh, we should say we're recording this podcast in my house because mm. we couldn't get a studio short notice. And I live in Highbury. And shortly before the uh, election that Reza May called and blew her majority, Jeremy Corbyn walked down our street oh, and knocked yeah. on our door and right. said... Would, will you vote Labour and all of this business? Uh -huh. And he didn't. Well, it's not far from Islington, is it? No, well, it's a nice middle class neighbourhood. This is Islington. Yeah, is it? No, we, is it I mean, I am Corbyn is my my constituency MP. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, terribly nice conversation. But I put it to him. I said, "Look, mate, I am the editor of the New European." He said, "Oh, I didn't know you lived here." So, well, <laughs> why, why would you? Did he mark? Was there a sinister <laughs> looking bloke behind him marking well, it down? I, I, funnily enough, afterwards, I uh, I gave I said, "Let's have a selfie," you know, right. with the kids and everything. And I gave him a copy of the paper to right. hold, and he said. Ah, oh, but if I hold this, it'll look like I'm endorsing it. And I said, absolutely. That's the point, don't we? And, and he folded it and sort of <laughs> stuck it behind his back. 
But I said to him, you know, why aren't you uh, just coming out and being honest with people mm. about what your position is? And he said, how do I square the fact that two-thirds of Labour members are Remainers, but two-thirds of my constituency mm. seats voted to leave? And this was his... And, and remains his big conundrum. But if he was a real politician, he'd he take wouldn't a care. Lead. He'd well, take exactly. a lead, yeah. He wouldn't care about yeah. upsetting the members, right? right? He represents the people. That's right. He's not a which statistician. Which is what we keep, getting, we keep getting told, right, by all these Remainers like you. Yeah. And I'm not trying to pick a fight with you, because I'm going to hopefully keep this podcast going yeah. for quite a few weeks and months. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that, you know, everybody says to me, oh, can you imagine if the, if the Remainers had won, do you think they'd be entertaining us yeah. as the leavers, of which I wasn't actually one, but I am yeah. now, yeah. Um, by saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, we lost by only 4%, so we think that you should represent us. No. Well, Farage himself, hold on a second, because Farage himself, when he thought he was going to lose the night before, said, look, if this ends up, and mm. he said very presciently, said if this ends up 52 48%, he was talking the other way around. Yeah, yeah. He said, this is not, this is unfinished business. Right. And we got, and then he started all his donning the car mm. metaphors and all this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't agree, actually, that... Uh, we should shut up and just adhere to the will of the people. Because I think politically, democratically, the whole point is that you can vigorously air your views. Where I for agree sure. with you, Mike, 100%, is, and I've been partly to blame for this in the past, is the frenzy that this argument has become yeah. and, the, and the, the kind of hatred on both sides as it's become more extreme. Yeah. That's what I think is going to carry us into dangerous times. Well, that is care. the trouble. And what I say to MPs when I talk to them is, is that it's not good enough to say it's too complicated. It's not good yeah. enough to go, well, we can't leave the European Union. It's too difficult. Well, that's your job. Your job as yeah. an MP is to find some common ground. And I think they've been remorselessly... Um, you know, kind of negative yeah. about agreeing on anything, and I and I would blame the ERG group as much as I would blame yeah. the Remainers on the Labour also, side. Also, Theresa May, so I couldn't well, help she's laughing. Been hopeless, hasn't it she? would take a heart of stone not to laugh at that speech when she walked off crying. I, I mean, must the admit, fact that you know, she... you know, you'll know when I've gone soft in my Fleet Street days. Yeah. I actually had. I mean, we, thankfully for Theresa May, she saved her resignation for my show. Yeah. Right? She she literally <laughs> didn't get out there until ten o'clock. Really? Right? And brilliantly. Um, I actually had, I'm not going to say a lump in the throat, but I, I, I felt for her when she burst into tears at the end. I really did. Do you I know what? you don't, Mate, but you would. I, I, I have very little time for Owen Jones, the Guardian columnist, who I think is, is like an extreme... He's the one that's blocked me on Twitter. Well, he, he blocked, he's, he's the king of block. Yeah. But I, I couldn't help agreeing with him on the, I think it was on the Daily Politics show. When I, he I said, saw him. He yeah. said something like, you know, she saved her tears for her own yeah, yeah. tragedy. She, there was no tears over Grenfell. Yeah. There were no tears over Brexit, right. no tears over all of these yeah. calamities that she's presided over for. And I've got to say, yes, of course you're human and you don't like to see somebody in pain mm. and, and in a state of distress. But of all the tears I've seen shed, those are the least I've had sympathy There's for. There's no doubt that she only was shedding them because she was going out in yeah. the job that she'd always wanted. Because people always say, don't they, when they ask him about, you know, well, who would want that job? And you go, well, every politician in the world yeah. gets into politics because they want to be the Prime Minister. Of course they do. I mean, look at all these bozos who've now decided they're going to throw their hat into the ring. Oh. I mean, can you believe Matt Hancock? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't give that guy... You know, fellowship. I wouldn't let yeah. him drive my car. I mean, I've got uh, Dominic Rabb to yeah. me. It just, I just think he's. Thick, well, I don't have a problem know? with Dominic Rabb. I saw him first on Question Time, yeah. and I thought he's a bit legalese for me. Yeah. You know, because he's clearly quite a bright guy. He's a barrister. Yeah. You know, he's got a very nice kitchen. I saw his pictures in the Sunday Good, Times, yeah. and that's obviously that's why important, I vote for people if they've got a nice kitchen. You think just the no. metropolitan? <laughs> of course you are. My favourite though, who was the girl? Was it Brokenshire with the four ovens? Which, what, yes. What's going on there? <laughs> I mean, how many pizzas does he? No, eat? it was Geordie Gregg, wasn't it? 
No, no, it was, was it broken shot. Was broken shot. I think Geordie just... Gregg's got four ovens. Well, he was supposed to have four ovens. I mean, yes. he's a big, big time editor of the Daily Mail. Yes, yes, he don't upset yes. somebody like Geordie Gregg, even though he once came to New York. Uh, to be the New York correspondent for the Sunday Times when yeah. Andrew Neil was the editor. Yeah. And I used to do a lot of pieces for the Sunday Times because I was their sort of super stringer. Yeah. And funnily enough, John Witherow, who's now the editor of the Times, was my boss as the foreign editor of the Sunday yes. Times. And uh, Geordie Gregg rang me up and he said, oh, hello, Mike. Um, I just wondered if I could get some help from you, having just arrived. He said, I've got to organise a dinner party for Andrew. <laughs> uh, maybe you could give me a t- some names of people I should invite. And that was his main job yeah, in New York. Yeah. I wrote all the fucking stories, right? Yeah. Pardon my friend. And uh, he organised the dinner parties and didn't invite me. Well, he's the ultimate networker, isn't he? Oh, it? he's brilliant, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. fair play. And he's now turned the Daily Mail into Remainer Central. He has. You know, which is ridiculous. And what I would say, right, yeah. about... I'm certainly not about shutting down debate or opinion, but what I think we should be going towards is some form of leaving the European Union, that we can all stand around and go, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Because I don't believe we're actually ever going to leave the European it's Union. It's just so... It's, you yeah. can't. I mean, the idea that we walk away yeah. with no deal and then we just turn our backs like the guy in Goodfellas, yeah. I know I've got to turn my back, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're never going to see Europe, you're never going to talk to them again. Of course not. No. We're going to always be trading But would you be Europe. happy... So to what extent would you push that? Would you be happy if push came to shove? Because I don't believe that that compromise exists. Uh-huh. And, and by the way... Hearing Theresa May, the single most stubborn, tin-eared yeah. Prime Minister in history, talking about... Talking about consensus. About compromise and the importance, <laughs> not a dirty word right. in all of this business. Oh, my, you know, it sickens me. But, but so I think she's gone now. So I think yeah. that's another watershed moment, that at least we can move with somebody else. But you know? if the compromise does not exist, I mean, if we just face reality and say... It, there is not a solution that everyone can stand by. Mm. Then you have to fall back to the extremes, don't you? And, and would you? How far would you push that? Would you push it to the, the extent of leaving without a deal at all? Well, I think so because one of the things that I will say is that no matter how much of a deal we do, we'll always be negotiating whatever the deal is. I mean, for the last mm. five, maybe ten years, we will have a partnership of sorts with the yeah. European Union. We can't pretend that we're going to put a bloody wall up in the middle of the English Channel. But do you think that's what people voted for, though? I think for it no is. Deal? I, yeah, I Come think it really? is. I mean, I, I think that it's a myth to say that all the people who voted for, for, for no deal or who wanted no deal are, you know, thick racists. I really think that's yeah, wrong. That's nonsense. You know, and I think that there are people who don't, don't want the European Union to yeah. be part of what we are, I suppose. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they don't like the idea... That, you, that Europe as a, as a kind of yeah. an entity yeah. is somehow running Britain. Now, you can tell me until the cows come home that, well, it doesn't really. Mm. And one of the arguments people use is, well, what rules is, are the, are, is it that you don't like? Yeah. But it's quite simply kind of, I think, the fact that the, 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 the amount of money that it costs, for one thing, is ridiculous. The amount of bureaucracy that yeah. they've got there is crazy. I mean, don't forget, what's happened in the last weekend has not just changed what's going to happen in Britain. But the European Parliament makeup is going to be very different. Totally, totally. All the main sort of parties yeah. in Europe, in Germany, in Italy, in France, in they've Spain, all suffered, yeah. they've all suffered. You know, yeah. Macron's under the cosh, Angela Merkel's under yeah. the cosh. Yeah. Bloody Silvio Berlusconi's coming back. Yeah, so there's going to be bunga bunga, bunga parties. Bunga, so bunga, I mean, for some people, they want to keep staying in the European Union. <laughs> yeah. Somebody actually tweeted me today and said, I'd pay good money to see Anne Widdicombe at a bunga bunga party. <laughs> oh, come you on. Know. But, you know, Please, can we cut that bit Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. and I, I think what we should be looking to do, yeah. and, and maybe this isn't leaving at all in some people's view, but it's just kind of refining our relationship well, and maybe saying, well, do you know what? We don't want to be part of that bullshit that we were part of yeah. before. 
we're quite happy to be part of something else, a bit yeah. like what we joined yeah. in 1973 like when we joined the common market. Yeah, yeah. I was all for that. Yeah. You know, I didn't mind that. Well, maybe the European project has gone too far, yeah. and I wouldn't disagree with that. And I don't like the fact that it feels like a cabal at yeah, the top. It does. You know, and it feels like it's all... And when you see Juncker yeah. and Verhofstadt and all yeah, these yeah, guys yeah. and Tusk, I mean, Tusk. Tusk isn't that bad, but I mean, yeah. they're very arrogant, yeah. and they think they run the place forever, yeah. but they don't. And Barnier. Yeah, because yeah, we're going to get a new you know, EU commissioner coming soon. Yeah. We're going to get a whole new parliament. There's, a few, there's not as many populists and right-wings yeah. in there as we thought. But, you know, it's a movable feast. And my worry is that if we stay in it, as it is... Yeah. It will expand to the point where, don't forget, the Ukraine problem was caused by Angela Merkel and the EU. Mm. You know, the Balkans war could have been stopped by the EU, but wasn't. wasn't. You know, it is not this great... Saving, but that, Mike, is a great step. The fact that the Bosnia is a great stain on the European Union's reputation, yeah. I think, almost proves the point, because it's the exception that proves the rule. And, you know, I know people roll their eyes when you start saying, but we've had 70 years mm. of continental peace, yeah. by and large. But that's really important to yeah. me. And I feel the cultural exchange that's happened over the European Union has been to Britain's great benefit. My, my doubt in this, and I don't know because nobody knows, but my doubt is that when people like Nigel Farage talk about what price sovereignty, mm. I think you could find what price sovereignty if you explain to people, actually... The economy is going to fall by X percent. That's going to cost this mm. per family. You know, you'll be 2,500 quid less per family right. per year. Do you want to pay for that, for this thing, sovereignty? Yeah. And I think a lot of people would say, uh, no, that's not what I yeah. voted for. One of the things that worries me the most about all of this, right, is that people seem to have, and you talked about it earlier, about the kind of the, the horrible vitriol that exists now between people arguing for yeah. opposite sides, yeah. is that so many people have now put their faith in politicians, yeah. as if politicians can save the world, yeah. they can't. Yeah. Right? The world is about especially not this the world is about the world is about commerce. Yeah. The world is about relationships. It's about love. Yeah. I mean, I've had these conversations about America and Britain in the past. I mean, my first wife was American. You know, that didn't work out as well, perhaps as maybe she would have wanted it to. But <laughs> hey, you know, I don't hate all Americans no, as a quite, result. Quite. And an awful lot of people have intercontinental love affairs. They marry people from different yeah. countries. Yeah. And that's what the world, that's what makes the world go around. Not yeah. a couple of politicians standing in the House of Parliament saying, but, we're going to put up uh, some more barriers to immigration. Yeah. It's not about but that. But that is, that is very true, but it's undeniable. And I've, I'm sure you've met lots of people who would say the same thing, that the, the, the sense of what Great Britain is and was as a very open-minded, progressive country... Uh, that changed, I think, in um, in 2016. I think a lot of people were shocked, especially European Union people who were living and working here and contributing massive net contributions to the economy. Suddenly thought, "Crikey, am I actually welcome here? Mm. Do these people and that was want wrong. me here?" Yeah. But I think for them to think that was unfortunate. But I think a lot of that was also peddled by those who said, "If you're leaving the European Union, it means you hate Europeans," yes. yeah. and it doesn't mean yeah. that. Yeah. You no, know, I love Europe, yeah. and I will. Whatever happens, I will continue yeah. to go to France, to Germany, to yeah. Spain, yeah. Uh, you know, to Scandinavia, to Italy. To, to your villas. My world will not come Europe. to an end. And of yeah. course, and people will say, well, well, I'll go with, with old Polly Toynbee and see how big her place is in Tuscany. Oh, really? Days. I didn't know. She's got a very nice place in Tuscany, <laughs> I can, but she's never invited me there, so I don't know. I think you're not But here we are, but she's one of those old people, you know, that yeah. doesn't have very good control yeah. of her bladder, but that's another story. Oh, we're not going to no, go there. We're not going to go, go there. But here's the thing. The bottom line for me is that if you want to embrace something... Just embrace it. I yeah. think we should not be being locked into situations by politicians yeah. who 
don't really have an awful lot of, of, of anything going on apart from quite a lot of self-interest. Yeah. You know, I don't want Boris Johnson to make my world. I certainly don't want Nigel Farage to make my world, but I don't want Jeremy Corbyn to make it either. Yeah. And for people to go around saying, oh, well, it's up to the politicians to solve it all. Yeah. Yes, it is, but they've got to do what we want and maybe what we want. Well, I'm not sure that's the case, though, Mike. I remember having a conversation with Mary Craig, who's mm. a good friend of ours, the Wakefield yes. Labour MP, very, very smart woman. And it was a couple of years ago, and I rather arrogantly said... In the spirit of what you've just said, it's been taken mm. away from you now. The, the politicians are not in control. You're not driving the car. The yeah. people are. And she looked at me quizzically, and she is an MP after all, but she said, no, but it's the MPs that do make the decisions. You've got to understand that. Mm. And I think that's what we're seeing now. You know, we are definitely seeing the result of it's Parliament that's completely stuck and yeah. mired, and that's why we're in the yeah. crap. It's not the country. I think if you could somehow put it to... Well, if you imagine if you had a people's vote and you could have like a rational debate yeah. about all of these things, yeah, right. and, imagine, then, and imagine wouldn't we if, all stand beside that? Well, well, we all do. It happened in two thousand sixteen. No, well, it didn't though, did it? Because yeah, it did. It, come on, mate. The only, people, saying, the only people who say that we didn't know what we were voting for yeah. are the people who lost. That's Nobody who won says we didn't know. What we but were how for. can you know what you're voting for when the government to this day still doesn't know what it means? Well, no, but they say, do you want to leave the United the European, European Union, Union or yeah. do you want to stay, remain in it? Yeah, it's a very simple question. But it's like saying to me, do you want to live in Mayfair? I say, yeah, that's sure. But then you show me that it's a garage I'm living in. I say, well, actually, I'll stick to, I'll stick to my beloved Islington. Yeah, well, do you know I mean, what I mean? If if it's not the deal you thought you had, I think you should. Just like you're buying a house, you should have an opportunity to yeah. say, oh, sorry, well, here's it's the on thing. a sinkhole. And we're going to have to come back to a lot of this yeah. because we haven't, I mean, we, we've got so much to talk about yeah. about this and we'll be doing it over a period of time. Yeah. But I'll leave you with this thought. Yeah. Maybe what they should have done is used the referendum as an indicative vote. Instead, yes. of, instead of using indicative votes to interpret yes. the bloody referendum. Completely right? agree with that. And then they could have said, yeah. okay... Now let's move on yeah. to the next stage, yeah. which is how do to you work want to leave it the out. Completely Instead agree. of what they did, which was to spend two years pretending it yeah. wasn't going to happen, yeah. and then going, all right, that's it, I've just signed yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Yeah. we're going. So it was David Cameron. And everybody spot. went, huh? Yeah, I agree. One last thing from me. On. You mentioned the one silver lining, or there's a number of silver linings, but one of the best silver linings from the European uh, votes. You mentioned thick racists yeah. before. Tommy Robinson's absolutely humiliated. Oh, yeah, but that was because he wasn't allowed access to the social media account. That is, is, that, or is that, that, why, is that why? It's not just because people don't like right-wing fascists no. fighting in their streets. No, and he no. lost his deposit as well, which is even funnier. That's hilarious. Oh, well, not his deposit. It'll be Steve Bannon's deposit. Oh, the vote from Rebel TV, Ezra Levant, was it, was who it, bizarrely yeah. has also blocked me. You know, I'm blocked from all You're sides. You're blocked by good people. I know I'm blocked from... <laughs> I know I'm doing a good job. Isn't the shots blocked me? as well oh, this is really? fantastic I'll tell you the story about her right. well, maybe I'll set it up for the book alright Right, well, this is going very well because uh, we're already over time on the first section of the podcast. So yeah. now we're going to forget about Brexit for a minute. Yes. And we're going to talk about a couple of other things. I want your opinion on some of the big media stories because you've been in the media a long time. And I, um, I, I didn't really let you introduce yourself properly, but you and I worked together on The Mirror. Yeah. You were a kind of senior executive there for a long time. You got yeah. then involved after I got fired yeah. unceremonially. Not by after me. Being, after Piers Morgan got the bullet, I, yeah. I was next. Um, because yeah. apparently they decided that they didn't want Scotland anymore because we were doing too much damage to the Daily Record. You, you should explain you were well, editing the Scottish Well, I was editing the, the, the Scottish edition of the Mirror, yeah. and yeah. in Scotland the Daily Record was always the Daily Mirror. That's right. And then, but they then disappeared. Piers worked out very cleverly that the best way to put on circulation was not 
to try and sell the paper for 10p in London, yeah. but to sell it for 10p in Scotland and in Belfast and in Dublin. Yeah. And so me and Craig McKenzie um, sort of launched this, well, he launched it and, and sort of brought me in and, and so I was running Scotland. And we were making hell of an inroads into, yeah. uh, into the Daily Record. Yeah. Which was this old useless... Well, I start, I worked on the Daily Record. Did you? I, that's where I started my sort of national career, oh, okay. if you like, pseudo-national. Well, it had become Glasgow. a very stale yeah. and, and yeah. terribly awful product. Yeah. I mean, to this day, it still is... I was just told this, this weekend today by a friend of mine up there that on Sunday, the Sunday Mail, which used to be one of the biggest selling Sunday newspapers in the yeah, world... that's right. Actually endorsed the Green Party. You're kidding. I'm not joking. Wow. For the for the incredible uh, for the for the You're kidding for the for in the elections. Yeah. Oh. The Green Party. And I mean apart from the obvious problem with Celtic and Rangers yeah. when you put green into anything. <laughs> you know, because you then get half the city not buying yeah. the paper. Yeah. I mean, who endorses the Green Party? That's nuts. And it's a bloke called Patrick Harvey, who I used to know quite well. He's an MSP for the Greens yeah. in Scotland. Nice enough guy, yeah. but literally couldn't blow the, the, the icing off a of rice pudding, yeah. you know, as they say, with the skin. Yeah. And I mean, the Scottish situation was really, really bad. But you, but you then went on and you worked well, with international Funny story about the Daily Record was... Yeah. was um, because my geography's home. Who was, was the editor when you were there? Endel Laird, who oh, yes. was like the last of these kind of grand. He was like the Paul Dacre. It's a great name, record. isn't it? And he was brilliant. He had this incredible office with, you know, an ensuite bathroom and all of this. Business. Were you in the old building or the it, new one? No, it was in the old building. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's still Anderson yeah, King yeah. by the massive big bridge yeah, over yeah. the Clyde. But I, my geography is utterly hopeless, right? And I, I've been hoping for a job in London right. all this time. Suddenly, this job in uh, Glasgow came up. And I asked my mate Brian Reed, the Daily Mail oh, yeah. columnist, we both worked together mm. on the Liverpool Echo for a right. long time. We were having a pint before I was due to go up and I said, Brian, what am I going to say to them when they say, why do you want to come up to Glasgow? Mm. And Brian didn't blink, he just said, tell them that you like travelling and it'll be great for the Glasgow Rotterdam Ferry. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, that's good. Right. So I went up and thank Christ there was no question about why do you want to live in Glasgow. I, I came back down on the intercity train right. and I looked at the map and I thought, you <laughs> It's on the wrong side of the country. I know. Yeah. It does take a bit getting used to it. Funnily enough, my dad was from Glasgow, as was my mother. Ah. Um, and so I had a very early kind of introduction to the, the sort of the Glasgow Catholic Protestant thing, yeah. which I've never seen anywhere else in no, the country. Extreme. I mean, it doesn't happen in Liverpool. Yeah. Because well, you've I thought got, Liverpool was partisan, yeah. but nothing like Glasgow. Nothing, like, nothing Glasgow. like Glasgow. I mean, to the point where I would get asked where I went to school yeah. because they couldn't work out from my name because Michael yeah. is a Catholic name, yeah. Graham is a Protestant name. Yeah. And they couldn't work out where I was from. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they'd resort to asking what school I went to yeah. in the hopes that they could then guess yeah. whether I was Catholic or Protestant. I was once taken to uh, a match at, at Ibrox to see Rangers and then afterwards taken to a notorious Rangers bar called the Manhattan Bar oh, yeah, I know. in yeah. the West End. Mm. And uh, being naive and stupid was joking openly about the fact that here I was a Catholic yeah. boy. Right. And, and I remember a fellow leaning across me and we'll have to bleep some of this out, but he said, right. shut your fucking mouth, you Fenian fuck pig, or right. I'll stab you. <laughs> and he wasn't joking. No. And uh, and that was the... Uh, that, well, that was I mean, one of the first things I got invited to up there, um, and I took the other half with me, was a cup final, Glasgow uh, Celtic Rangers Cup final. We were in a box. I think we were being hosted by Scottish Power or something, yeah. Congress or organisation like that. And uh, she'd never really been to very many football matches. I don't think she'd been to any. Anyway, we're sort of looking out, and she's going, um, why are all those Palestinian flags flying over there? And then over on the other side, there's a load of Israeli flags. I'm going, it's a long story. And then at the end, Celtic won it. Yeah. And at the end, it's half the stadium just empty. Yeah. You know, there's none of this kind of camaraderie yeah. where, yeah. No. oh, well, let's all just cheer the good yeah. result of the game. Yeah. 
You know, there was just oh, one no, side it's... of the stadium. It was hilarious. I mean, it's, but it is representative mm. of the city as well, yeah, you yeah. know. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's an extraordinary place, Glasgow. Yeah. So anyway, of... what I wanted to say yeah. was that you and I have got this kind of shared history yes. of the mirror. Yeah. Um, you stayed there longer than me, but you then went off to do lots of other things. So I wanted, yeah. there's a couple of media stories that whenever yeah. the, we do these podcasts, I think we should talk about. Yeah. I'd like to talk about Jeremy Kyle, because that was a big story from, uh, from last week. Yeah. Where Jeremy's, where, where the, the, the tabloids went into a kind of feeding frenzy, almost as if they, and I'm not going to turn on my old employers or anything, mm. but I mean, almost as if the tabloids have never ruined anybody's life. No, that's right. Accusing Jeremy Carl of ruining yeah. this guy's life. Now, I'm not going to um, speak ill of the dead, but I think anyone who goes on the Jeremy Carl show, their life is probably already not great. Yeah. You know, now, terribly sad that this guy died, yeah. but is it fair to blame the TV show? Well, I think, you know, you touch on a great point, which is that Jeremy Carl, in many ways, was just the TV extension yeah. of the sun, the star, the mirror. You yeah. know, it was kind of playing in the same pool we were. So there's obviously that, that hypocrisy you always get with the newspapers. Yeah. always put themselves above everything else. But I think looking back, and of course everybody's benefited from 2020 hindsight now, looking back, I think... It, there was something about Kyle. I only dipped in now and again, and every time I dipped in, mm. I dipped back out as soon as I could because it was you just sort of felt a bit filthy. It was, I felt yeah. dirty yeah. watching it, and I appreciate Jeremy Kyle. You know, he's a brilliant produ- uh, and he's a broadcaster, nice, I mean, he's, he's really a, nice guy. He started out as a radio That's guy, right, yeah. and I mean, I've met him a few times because he used to do some stuff at Talksport, yeah. and he's he's a very entertaining yeah. and erudite character. And I'm sure he'll be sicker than anybody yeah, yeah. else about the whole thing. Yeah. But I, I I took it as a sign of progress that this decision by Carolyn McCall wasn't it who's the former Guardian yeah. uh, chief executive yeah. funnily enough now running ITV uh, very quickly said right this is enough yeah. and I think they were looking for an excuse to clean that up Maybe. although it was the most popular a, show on telly well I mean a million viewers yeah I amazing mean, mind you the other most popular show on telly that gets a million viewers is this week with Andrew Neil, yeah. which they're also canny That's I mean you do wonder why yeah. uh, the, I mean well we don't really but you wonder why the people running some of these organisations don't take a quick look around and go Really? Why are you sure they, about this? They should be putting that on at 8 o'clock yeah. at night on BBC Well, in my view, Andrew Neil should have got the question time job anyway, yeah. just because he's he so good. Brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. He's so good at that. And, yeah. and like I like to think of myself, he has a go at everybody. He's yeah. not partisan. He gets accused by everybody no. of being partisan, which means he's not. Did you see the interview with the uh, right-wing um, American? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. What a Who said, why, why don't you just admit you're a left-winger? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and well, I get this. Whenever I start having a go at some of these manic sort of American types, yeah. you know, I get piled on. Yeah. Or if I have a go at some of the, some of the ones here, because you talked about Tony Robinson, also delighted that that guy Sargon of Arcad, oh, whatever he's called, Tosman. and that Count Wankiller, as yeah. I like to call him. <laughs> you know, they've both got less than 2%. Yeah. Cheerio, back to your little basement the yeah. YouTube channel. That's right. You know, but I mean, the bottom line, whenever you attack any of these people, there's a kind of weird international group of, of sort of Twitter bots yeah. that come from Canada, yeah. that come from Germany. I had some neo-Nazi guy attacking me from Australia. Yeah. And he said, I'm not neo-Nazi. I said, you've got on your Twitter feed a picture of a former Nazi World War II pilot who was behind one of the most right-wing books ever written about fascism. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that doesn't make me one. Yeah. I'm like, mm, I think it does, actually. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Incredible. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I just wonder whether the Jeremy Carthy also was representative of where we are now in society. Like we've said before, yeah. there are things that you can't look as if you like. Yeah, yeah. well, do, do you know what the worst thing for me about the Jeremy Carl show was that it rep- did represent two sides of Britain, where it represented a, uh, a group of people who I think are and have been struggling for quite some time, mm. you know, and find themselves in, a, in an unpleasant yeah. life. And then you've got sneering 
people who enjoy them as a spectacle. Yeah. You know, and I think that... I don't think you would have got that 50 years ago. You know, mm. I think we were a better country then in terms yeah. of having a sense of nationhood. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing that's been tossed overboard yeah. in the last three years. Interesting. Well, we've got more to discuss about that before we stop the podcast because we've almost run the end of it already. This is the first one. There's going to be loads of them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's going to be one every week. We've got to talk about Liverpool. Yeah. You know, because it may not have escaped people listening to this has noticed that you've got a bit of a Liverpool accent. A bit of a scam. You still haven't lost it. Well, it's been rubbed away, but it comes out <laughs> after a few beers. I, I bet. Yeah. And when Liverpool are playing, presumably. Yes. The, you, get in there, lads! Right. That's all. That it all <laughs> comes out. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I hope we go and win it, uh, obviously, I think. How we, devastated will you be I'd if be, it's another be season gutted. with nothing? I'll be... Well, ah, well, that's... We've made enormous progress. Yeah. So now people are now talking about Liverpool and Manchester City yeah. as being almost on on a par mm. and worrying about a kind of. Do you think they are though? Really? Um, yes, I think we probably are. You know, I think you know the only game we lost last season was to Manchester City. Right. We didn't lose to anybody else mm. apart from you know we beat them at home. And I think um, the Liverpool that faced Real Madrid the last time we played in the European mm. Cup and we were fairly well beaten. Yeah. When you remember Ramos and, yes. the, and the terrible mistakes from the goalkeeper, yeah, yeah. it's a different side now. Yeah. There's no question to me. It's that, more confident, that, yeah. As well. And I think we would batter Real Madrid, right. we would batter Barcelona. My big question is: Will we batter Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah, well, we should do on paper. You should, but technically, you should. But, but it's like an FA Cup final, and, and also would, Tottenham have had a very lucky kind of year yeah. in the sense that they've had some amazing yeah. results. I mean, beating yeah. Manchester City yeah, yeah. itself was not expected. It's, it's was ninety it? minutes. Yeah, it's, it's a mistake. Mm. You know, it's a slip of the fingers. It's it, it, that's why we love football, though, isn't it? Well, it is. I don't know if you saw that game at the weekend between Sunderland and Charlton. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the greatest goals ever. Yeah. I can't stop yeah. watching it. Extraordinary. Because I can't work out how he's missed it. Yeah, I can't work out how the goalie has missed the it's ball. Incredible. It's the incredible. Only one, the only better one I've seen, you'll be able to find it on YouTube. I think it was a German yeah. match where the referee runs into the box oh, yeah. and someone clears the ball and the referee sticks it in the back of the net. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to give the goal. And Do FIFA, they? Yeah, so, except now FIFA have said because of this, next time the referee scores a goal for one of the sides, they're going to disallow it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Finally, uh, what about this mad game in Azerbaijan? Oh. Uh, which nobody can get to. It's, Apparently, yeah. Arsenal have given half their tickets back. We're, yeah. we're sitting here in the shadow of the old Highbury. Yeah. Um, what a ludicrous idea to go to Baku. Baku. I mean, I've never even heard of it. Well, do you know, my daughter's just be- recently been there because oh. it's it's an oil-rich country. Right. And the first time I really had, had noticed that was when I went on holiday a few years ago to Turkey. And we were in one of these really nice kind of, you know, all-inclusive resorts full of Russians. Yeah. And I looked in the, in the car park immediately outside the front, the front entrance. And it was all cars from Azerbaijan, yeah. but like S-class Mercedes, you wow. know, really expensive. And it's they, Baku the capital. And Baku's the capital, right. and it's got these really weird-looking two buildings, yeah. which look like the world's worst skyscrapers. Right. But the reason they look like that is because they're designed to look like flames. Right. Oh my and God. you just kind of go, right. this is okay. like something they do for the Chinese Olympics, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it looks awful. But there's yeah. loads of money there, because yeah. they've got... And it's also much more central... To the Middle East. So, are you implying that there might have been some exchange of currency? Well, to I mean, land this thing. It's a little bit like Qatar. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Where suddenly, um, you know, here's a country that wants yeah. to host a major event. It's such a shame. I but mean, it's awful, obviously, you can't you can't back out and say, "All right, well, we're going to stick it on at Wembley or something yeah. like that," because. Well, you just can't, can you? But it's a cry, it's well, a crying yeah, shame they that should they, be they should do that. They absolutely mm. should do that. And I it's, think so. I mean, Arsenal don't have much luck in Europe, so it's kind of. You know, the idea that they might actually go and win a yeah. European trophy again and no one will be there but to see it. But it's going to be a very weird game to watch as well, yeah. isn't it? 
I think the atmosphere will be absolutely dead flat. Mm, awful, absolutely yeah. awful. And probably yeah. to cap it all, a lot of Chelsea fans will probably get their heads cracked in by the, the, the Azerbaijani yeah, I'm you know, sure secret I'm police. sure they'll do their best to wind, <laughs> Can you imagine? wind them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, this is the Thought Police first podcast ever. Um, and it's finished. I quite enjoyed it. I that. think it was good. Yeah. But well, obviously, we'll be told by people, don't forget on Twitter, yeah. uh, who follow us on at ThoughtPoliceTP. Uh, they'll tell us if they don't like it. Yeah. But I think they will. I hope so. See you well, if you don't week. like it, try again next week. Yeah, okay. Do better. All right. Had, I'm not going to say a lump in the throat, but I, I, I felt for her when she burst into tears at the end. I really did. Do you know I know what? you don't, Mate, you would. I, I, I have very little time for Owen Jones, the Guardian columnist, who I think is, is like an extreme... He's the one that's like, blocked me on Twitter. Well, he, he block, he's, he's the king of block. Yeah. But I, I couldn't help agreeing with him on the... I think it was on the Daily Politics show. When I, he I said saw some, him. He yeah. said something like, you know, she saved her tears for her own yeah, yeah. tragedy. She, there was no tears over Grenfell. Yeah. There were no tears over Brexit. Right. No tears over all of these yeah. calamities that she's presided over for. And I've got to say, yes, of course you're human and you don't like to see somebody in pain mm. and, and in a state of distress... But of all the tears I've seen shed, those are the least I've had sympathy There's for. There's no doubt that she only was shedding them because she was going out of yeah. the job that she'd always wanted. Because people will say, don't they, when they ask him about, you know, well, who would want that job? And you go, well, every politician in the world yeah. gets into politics because they want to be the Prime Minister. Of course they do. I mean, look at all these bozos who've now decided they're going to throw their hat into the ring. Oh. I mean, can you believe Matt Hancock? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't give that guy, you know, fellowship. I wouldn't let yeah. him drive my car. You know what the worst thing for me about the Jeremy Carl show was that it rep- did represent two sides of Britain, where it represented a, uh, a group of people who I think are and have been struggling for quite some time, mm. you know, and find themselves in, a, in an unpleasant yeah. life. And then you've got sneering people who enjoy them as a spectacle, yeah. you know. And I think that, I don't think you would have got that 50 years ago. You know, mm. I think we were a better country then in terms yeah. of having a sense of nationhood. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing that's been tossed overboard yeah. in the last three years. Interesting. Somebody actually tweeted me today and said, I'd pay good money to see Anne Whittacombe at a book of book party. <laughs> oh, come you on. Know. Shut your fucking mouth, you Fenian fuck pig, or I'll stab you. (laughs) And he wasn't joking. No. I think that was good. I enjoyed it.